The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. All right, so in this episode of Mind Pump, we thought we would tackle a subject that is, uh, gosh, it's super common. Uh, one of the most common questions that we get in our DMs every single day mm. and that we used to get as personal trainers, um, and that is, what diet is best for me? Um, it seems like every other month there's a new book coming out with a new type of diet. Um, there's diet trends that are out. Uh, you know, Paleo diet is real popular, the ketogenic diet. Uh, veganism is real popular. Um, there, you know, carnivore diet, you know, even has been real popular lately. So we covered four of the most popular current diets that are out there right now, and we talked all about the pros, the cons, how they came to be, like where they originated from, who should do them, and who who shouldn't do them. And we hope by the end of this episode, you'll have a better idea of where you should go on your nutrition uh, and health journey. Now, before the episode starts, I want to remind everybody that MAPS Prime and MAPS Prime Pro are both 50% off. This is the first time we've ever put both programs at 50% off. It's a huge discount. Now, MAPS Prime teaches you how to set up your own private, individualized priming session. That is better than a warm-up. This gets your body uh, to fire its muscles better, gets your mobility better for your individual body, so your current workout is much more effective. Now, MAPS Prime Pro is all about correctional exercise to help prevent injury, prevent pain, improve mobility. It works on all the major joints of the body. Both programs extremely valuable for personal trainers or fitness coaches. Again, they're both 50% off. Here's what you do to get the discount. Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com and use the code PRIME50. That's P-R-I-M-E-5-0, no space, for the discount. Make sure you do it now. This promotion won't be back till late next year. I think we need to do an episode. I think you have great ideas all, all about. <laughs> I back you on that. Yeah. Okay. For the record, this was Adam's idea. Uh, <laughs> Make you feel better? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was. Yeah. But I think it's a smart idea. I think we need to. This is great. Well, Let's, I get a I get a lot of DMs about this. So this is a common. Uh, you know, something I'm trying to get better at is when I see similar questions keep popping up. Is trying to take notes and remember that. Hey, let's do a full episode around a topic like this because so many people have asked a similar type of question. And we talk a lot about uh, all types of different diets. We've talked, I think we've covered almost every popular diet that's out there on this show at one point. And, you know, even though we've covered all those things, I get this, the basic question of, you know, what diet's best for me or what diet should I do? Right. Because there are a lot of different ways to approach uh, nutrition. There are a lot of different ways. Now, forget about weight loss and weight gain for a second. There's just a lot of ways to approach nutrition, even from a cultural standpoint. You know, you go to different cultures, different cultures of eating, different ways people eat, different foods that are eaten in the morning or the afternoon or the evening. There's context. 
there's foods you eat at the you know at the movies and at birthday parties, or whatever. So this is an important uh, conversation. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, the type of diet that you eat will work best for your body. And there are ones that have kind of stood the test of time. And what I mean by that is there's popular ones that are out there. Some are better than others. So it's it's a good idea that we kind of dive into the most popular ones that are popular now. Dive into them, what's good about them, what's bad about them. Maybe talk about how they started. And then eventually give people enough information to where maybe they'd be able to kind of pick the yeah, one that's best for them. you make a more of an educated decision about it. The irony Absolutely. of the ones that are most popular today have actually, most of my, that I'm thinking of off the top of my head right now, have been around for a long time. A lot of them that's, have been that's around. That's the thing that's They've been of, rebranded We've and been repackaged. eating for a long time. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. There's yeah, been a lot of strategies in this direction. In fact, we've been point, eating Bono. since the beginning yeah. of- There you <laughs> go. As soon as we were on Earth, we started eating. Yeah. No, but that's actually a very good point. Very true. A, a lot of these diets- Diets that you know seem new and cool are rehashes of diets that have been tried uh, in the past, and so I think the most the most pop well what, let's talk about one of the more popular ones. And, and this particular diet we're going to cover next is one that really took the fitness and health uh, you know industry by storm. It feels like it came out of nowhere, and then it just exploded. Part of its popularity was because it was adopted by a fitness movement that was also happening that kind of at one point was married to it almost. Now they've, they're separate now, but at one point they went hand in hand and that's paleo, the paleo diet. And it was adopted by the CrossFit community really, really early on. Our good what, friend was part of that, right? Rob uh, Wolf was Rob a, Wolf was a big part yeah, of the reason he, why. He was in the middle of doing a lot of his research and writing his book mm-hmm. and he was also getting involved in CrossFit. So I think it kind of just naturally happened because of him. I think because he was respected in that circle, it was a very small circle back then, and he was one of the most respected mm-hmm. doctors in that in that uh, arena. And he was researching and talking about a lot of the health benefits behind paleo. I think it just kind of naturally happened. Uh, absolutely. Um, now, paleo has been a lot around a lot longer than we think. Uh, when did you guys first hear about it? When do you when do you remember it? When do you remember it coming on the radar? I'm pretty sure it was Rob Wolf. I don't think it was Chris Cresser, but yeah, I think Rob Wolf just because of his involvement with CrossFit and in, in that uh, it was basically like if you were doing CrossFit, you ate this way. And then there was people that were starting to challenge. This probably isn't even the best, uh, you know, strategy of dieting for this type of training because of the intensity and the cardiovascular output that you were going through. It yeah, was. Def- you're, you're, it was. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. It was his book, mm-hmm. but I didn't know who Rob. Wolf, I didn't. Yeah, really at the first one. I, I didn't know who he was though. Like and that's when you first kind of really heard yeah, about Yeah, because you know. that's, I mean, I'd have clients that would, you know, I've always had this, and clients that are up and up on the latest diet trend that's out there, they tend to bring me in a book. They'll bring in a book and be like, oh, they always, you know, clients would mm-hmm. suggest, you should read this, this is really good, you know, and it was one of those books. And I and I didn't read it cover to cover, but I did grab it and kind of skim through it. And like, for the most part, I remember thinking like, oh, okay, this is pretty solid information. And I remember telling my client like, no, I like this. I like uh, I like the information that's being presented here. I think it's a a, a pretty good balanced diet in comparison yeah. to a lot of diets. That I like the 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 tie back to like the ancestral type eating. They were trying to like look a, a bit further back to see what you know ancient people were doing to to eat. And I think it's a good way to kind of like look at at patterns of you know how how like certain ways of eating have have has staying power yeah so I, it's funny you like that I didn't like that mm. so I didn't like that because this is what I feel like we do with all diets I feel like we you know try and make a case for why it's superior 
And I think that that that's their angle is this is how we evolved to eat. I'll go dates back all the way to the beginning of time. And this is exactly how they would have ate. And therefore it's a superior diet. And I think that every diet will probably cover in this conversation when it did come on existence, the way they market it and the way it blows up is they make a case for it being superior to other diets. So I definitely saw through that just like I do in most diets when they get promoted, uh, because I think, it, it, let's be honest, diet is a fucking, it's like made, it's a made up thing. Like it's, mm. it's, it's, well, it's, no, that's a good point. I mean, humans are opportunist. Uh, we eat whatever's in front of us. Um, but you know, I, I first heard about paleo, I would say in the early two thousands, this is when I started to really look at, um, the wellness world, uh, for information on improving gut health. And this mm-hmm. is when I first started hearing about this. Now, the paleo diet was really first started to be talked about in the 1970s. There was a gastroenterologist, Dr. Walter uh, Vogtland, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, um, who talked about the way that uh, humans ate prior to the agricultural revolution. Now, the agricultural revolution is when humans discovered that they could plant crops. They no longer had to roam and find food. They could stay in the same place, grow their food, raise crops, raise livestock, and now they could specialize their skills. It's what led to uh, you know, massive civilizations because now you could build societies and towns and cities because you didn't have to move around so much. But before that, which is most of human history, most of modern human history, I should say, or, or modern in terms of the ways our body's built, we ate uh, what we could hunt and what we could find, which limited us, right? We could eat meat, Fish, of course, insects. Nobody talks about that, but I guarantee humans ate a lot of insects. Nuts, um, seeds, berries. Nuts, seeds, berries, and fruits. And those and, and those were quite rare. Like if you're going around in, in your natural environment, you're not finding a whole lot of edible plants, at least in terms of calories. You're just not getting enough. So they probably ate a lot of meat and stuff like that. So the idea is humans evolved their bodies, the physical bodies that we carry now, evolved eating this way for most of human history. Therefore, these are the foods that are most suitable for our bodies. It then got popularized later on by uh, other people. Dr. Boyd Eaton is one person, and then, of course, the CrossFit community and all that. So the diet basically, and there's there's some tenets in the paleo diet, because now you have people in paleo who say eating sweet potatoes um, and even eating regular potatoes is fine. Now, the original paleo you know, dieters said no. Tubers were part of the agricultural revolution. No grains, including no tubers, no starchy vegetables. It's all meat, fish, you know, uh, uh, edible vegetables that you could, that you don't have to cook. You know, berries, nuts, seeds, and those types of things. So there's a little bit of a of a uh, you know a division there. Um, but nonetheless, when I look at the diet overall, if you eat a paleo diet, you're going to eat relatively healthy. I would consider it a pretty healthy diet, generally speaking, in terms of one of its pros. Yeah. Now, what pros. do you th- what do you think about this though? Because what we saw, and I remember uh, our first experience at the Paleo Convention was what three years ago or so, mm-hmm. somewhere somewhere around there. And the, one of the things that I noticed that was my first experience in that world. And up until this point, uh, I've probably said nothing but incredible things about the Paleo diet, and think it uh, was a great option for a lot of my clients. And when I got there, what I noticed was something that I noticed in the bodybuilding community oh, yeah. that I used to kind of scrutinize a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the, you know, very dogmatic, a little pretentious and almost extreme uh, version of what of this this diet, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, we're 
inside this big warehouse place and you know you've got you know these families walking around with their blue blocker glasses on in the middle of the day and you've their got, grounding sandals yeah they get their grounding sandals and bracelets on bone and broth everywhere and yeah like every booth was like you know paleo something and and it was just it was pro, it was processed foods that were being made to fit the paleo what agenda. a great what a great point because one of the benefits of going real paleo is just either eating whole natural whole foods, foods. Yeah. and it, it that gives you a more appropriate relationship to food because it doesn't promote overeating processed foods are engineered to be hyper palatable they make you eat more it's very difficult and studies now show that that's probably the reason why people are so overweight is food so hyper palatable that we just we end up overeating well, now paleo gets popular, commercialized. Mm. So, of course, what they do is they take paleo ingredients and they process them in a way to make them hyper palatable. Because if you want to make a food and you want to sell a lot of that food, the main thing you should focus on, this is from a business perspective, is to make it taste really damn good. Yeah. That's number one. If it doesn't taste really good, you're not going to sell very many of them. Um, and, and so I see a lot of that in the paleo world is a lot of these kind of yeah, processes. Explain foods. a paleo margarita. Explain that. I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that. Explain it. Is that a real real thing? Yeah, there is. Uh, Here's the other thing. Um, When it comes to training and performing at high performance levels, starches just do a damn good job. Like in order to eat a a traditional paleo diet that doesn't include the long chain, you know, starchy carbohydrates um, that you find in things like potatoes and sweet potatoes or even rice. I'm not even, I'm not even talking about wheat. I'm talking about things that are still easily digestible, like white rice and potato and buckwheat and stuff like that. The performance benefits you get from those uh, is awesome. Well, this is how it fell out of favor with CrossFit. That's right. Yeah, That's I mean, right. it, it started or it really started to explode with them and with what Rob Wolf was teaching and talking about back then. But it really fell out of favor when more and more people started to dive into it and go, wait a second. I mean, this is really high intense training. And wouldn't it be more beneficial if you're eating more high glycemic carbohydrates, fast acting carbs, carbs that get into your system really quick and produce energy because you need it on demand at such a high level doing something like CrossFit. And I think more and more people started to realize that and then it fell out of favor. Well, athletes started experimenting. They would throw in sweet potato, potato, rice into their paleo diet. Donuts. And and then they were, maybe not, I don't know about that. No, that became a very popular thing. Did it? Yeah. Donuts and deadlifts. Well, they they started kicking ass. I noticed this. I noticed when that to maximize my strength, my performance, and if I want to build muscle, it's easier when I have some complex carbohydrates and some starches in them. It's just harder to do without those foods. Um, so paleo, although it's less restrictive than other diets, it's a bit restrictive in the sense that you can't eat any grains, you can't eat any foods post-agricultural revolution. That includes dairy. Traditional paleo means you can't have dairy would either. You, uh, a macro breakdown, if we were explaining it, would you say it's a lower carb, high protein, moderate fat? I would say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's- I would say it's moderate, moderate fat, maybe moderate to high protein, um, and then lower carbohydrate because you know you're eating fruit so there's only so much you can eat um so that's one of the more popular ones there's because some of your pros and cons well what's what's another diet what's another big one that keto been keto is yeah, a huge ketogenic one diet. Keto, ketogenic diet's been around a long time the 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 first studied uh or or observed effects from being in ketosis uh was or at least that we have in uh in writing were the ancient greeks uh, Hippocrates wrote about fasting people with epilepsy at the time. They didn't know it was epilepsy. They just knew people had seizures. They didn't know what was going on. And he would not have them eat and find that 
many of them stopped having seizures. Now, he didn't know it was ketosis, but it was the first kind of written, observed effect of being in ketosis. Now, uh, later on, um, studies were being done. Um, in 1911, I believe in France, they were doing studies on fasting and epilepsy. And then doctors doctors started saying, look, we, we want to be able to give the benefits of fasting because at the time they had no treatments for epilepsy. And uh, it's a terrible disorder, especially when you see it among children. So how can we get these kids to benefit from what happens to them when they fast, but we can't have them fast all the time because obviously they need to eat. And so they started experimenting with high-fat, low-carbohydrate diets. Dr. Wilder at the Mayo Clinic started experimenting in particular. And they started to find that if they put these kids on like an 80% fat diet with some protein, essential protein, and zero carbohydrates, that it was actually quite effective uh, for many of these kids with epilepsy. So that's how the ketogenic diet first started. Mm. It didn't become a diet for the mainstream until much later. Until um, Dom. Yeah, well, in the 70s, there, was, uh, uh, there were uh, some high-protein, low-carbohydrate diet books that came out. But then you had the, the, the low-fat movement that really exploded, kind of shut all that down for a while. Then we were exposed to the low-fat you know, diet for a long time. That was what was promoted by our government and by other governments. Um, and that kind of opened up the doors or at least set the stage for someone to come out and counter that message which is when Atkins, Atkins came out. Yes, right. And although Atkins is not a traditional keto diet, it's close to a keto diet, right? It was a no carb, high protein, high protein uh, you know, higher fat. fat. That's the only diet. real adjustment that they made, right? With the ketogenic diet, is they what they found later on is people were consuming too much meat and too high of protein on the Atkins diet that they were having adverse effects to it, right? Well, it was just it was first off, it was counter. So we, we've been fed low-fat no, I mean, for what, so long. No, I mean what was so different between keto and Atkins. It's just more protein, right. I think. Yeah. That's, all, that's, that's the only real and difference. And Dr. Atkins really commercialized the fuck out of it. And it blew up. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people listening right now in your 20s, and it, you don't know this, but when I was a trainer early on, Atkins came onto the scene and blew up. Yeah, because they had processed bars and protein powders yep. and all that that went with it. So it wasn't just like promotion of you know quality meat source no. and all that kind of stuff. It was I a money making machine. Food. I even believe it, it. It came back about a decade later because that's that was in the first what the seventies eighties. Well, then, it was seventies, and then the nineties is when Atkins really blew up. Yeah, he and, even did a second version of it. Yeah, where I believe they adjusted the protein because there was a little bit of a backlash, like what I was saying, the people that were eating too much and then were getting like cardio vascular issues going on. And then it kind of went away for a little bit and then ketogenic came back. And that was in the, you know, I would say the the 2000 or mid 2000, you know, like 5, 2006, 2010s we started hearing about people going keto and stop using the word Atkins. Um, and it kind of became popular again and you had people you know, social media. Uh, mm. You know, was this because of the people. bodybuilding community kind of adopted it uh, for their for like the cutting phase, or like how did that? You uh, know, come in about? bodybuilding, there was one bodybuilder who was pro keto. That was Dave Palumbo, um, but nobody else really talked about keto. Bodybuilders had talked about low carb and cycling low carb for a long time, but there were always bodybuilders that had higher carbs when they when they dieted as well. So no. it wasn't like a it was never a, a strict bodybuilding thing. I think bodybuilders noticed for sure. 
that going too low carb was not good for performance. Yeah. Most bodybuilders are like, no, I need it for pumps and I need it for, for right. strength and stuff yeah, like all that. All sports suffer yeah. like some benefit in endurance yeah. training. Yeah. But, but then it got real popular again through social media and podcasts, people talking about how it made them feel sharper. I think I remember, Asprey came out, blew it up, right? I, well, who blew it up for me was Dom. When the Dom, research yeah, came out with the SEALs, when they were doing the research with them and that he was doing it was when it like piqued my interest and that was when i remember kind of bringing it to all of us and being like we should try this and do this and then we all each took our turn going through it and did it and then talked about it which yeah. was when we first started the podcast now dom diagostino uh the research you're, you're talking about is when you know navy seals have to use what are called rebreathers when they're underwater and trying to be stealthy but the rebreathers increase the amount of oxygen in the brain and it can become toxic and cause them to have seizures. Mm. And so Dom theorized, well, I wonder if, an, if a, you know, the anti-epileptic diet, ketogenic diet would help them. And sure enough, it did. The presence of ketones allowed them to stay underwater with rebreathers for long periods of time. And then they found some other benefits like ketogenic diet has some neuroprotective qualities. Um, I think that the way that the, the brain operates in a low carbohydrate, high fat kind of environment, it tends to burn mm. energy a little cleaner and easier. So if you have someone with like uh, dementia or Alzheimer's, studies show that a ketogenic diet tends to improve their outcomes, yeah. tends to reduce their their symptoms. It's a very interesting, like the, the science is very compelling and, and to be preventative in terms of if, if you have Alzheimer's, if you have like dementia in your family and things like that, like just experiencing ketosis is something that I think is, you know, could be mm -hmm. very beneficial. Then, we, go ahead. You always like to bring in like the evolutionary argument. And this is one of those things that I think makes the case for that also is like, it, there's probably been times when you back when, way back thousands of years ago where you ate keto everybody right it's winter time right you, you know what you're gonna eat when you're it's a winter you're gonna eat animals yeah. there's nothing else that's around nothing else growing yeah and our bodies go into ketosis as a operating system because we evolved with it otherwise we wouldn't have evolved with it right otherwise we wouldn't have this operating system that creates ketones and allows us to continue to to, to function so it's definitely part of our makeup. I think you should explain that a little bit for somebody who's listening right now that may not know that. Like that's the real benefits of and and break that down. The the science of like how our body runs normally Two different fuel systems. Yeah, right. How it normally runs off of glucose. What makes it switch over to ketones and why that's so beneficial. Carbohydrates are the preferred source of energy in the sense that if carbohydrates are present, your body will use carbohydrates to uh, create most of the energy that you'll use and burn. When carbohydrates are not present, your body will, will create the essential amounts of, of carbohydrates it needs uh, by taking proteins and converting it. Because your body, your brain still uses some glucose. But then the other amounts of energy that it needs, it starts to de de derive from fat. And it makes what are called ketones. And ketones burn pretty cleanly in the cells. They don't give us the same uh, high-intensity energy and strength but they're great at low and in, low intensity endurance type energy. Like if you're in keto, let me put it this way: even if you're a, a fully fed athlete, um, will store maybe six or seven thousand calories worth of carbohydrate energy in their body. And and once that's gone, they're out. They'd have to eat more carbohydrates. Where do they store it? It's in their liver and it's in their mu muscles largely. Once that's gone, it's gone. Now a lean, even a lean athlete, a relatively lean athlete, will have at least. 20 to 30,000 calories worth of stored fat that they can use for energy. So in terms of a long-term type of energy, if you're like going on a long hike 
or a, a long, long, long distance run, um, it may be beneficial to be in ketosis. You don't have to refeed your body constantly. Well, and this is how it. this is how people survive when you fat. People fast for two weeks. What, you're you, in ketosis. You, yeah, you switch over to ketosis, and, and how do you continue to survive if you're not getting any fuel constantly? Well, you have, like to your point, Sal, you have a ton of it on your body already, and it does. It burns at a slower rate, and so then it does allow you to now have somebody who's been on a seven day fast expect them to go do something like a CrossFit routine, and they'll probably pass out trying yeah. to do something. Well, like they, they're just not going to perform as strongly or as effectively. They don't have the strength and the power. They'll have the stamina, maybe they'll be able to continue moving or whatnot, but they won't have the same athletic performance. Also, going keto long-term is probably can cause muscle wasting in some people. You continue on it long-term, and people will find it's hard to build muscle and maintain muscle doing that long-term. It's, it, it is anti-cancer in some cases. There's something called the Warburg effect. Cancer cells, when they don't have glucose or glycogen present, they tend to, to kill themselves. Not all of them. Some of them will actually transfer and start using um, ketones. So it's not a cure, but in some cases... It can weaken cancer, and in some cases, it may cure some types of cancer. Um, it also kills your appetite. Here's why I think keto got so popular. You eat a diet that's really high in fat, yeah. moderate protein, no carbohydrates. You're satiated and you're low calorie. I don't know about you guys, man, but for me, it's like I just don't eat that much. Well, yeah. I just don't I, have an appetite. That was one of my experiences with it. Um, so I remember when we did it, uh, and I remember the reason why I personally did it was because on the show, I was like – Totally anti it when and I remember listening to the back then I used to listen to all of our episodes and I remember hearing myself and I go you know what that's totally the opposite of what I say I'm like I'm the type of person where if I uh, say oh it's it's lame or this or that or I wouldn't do it it's like I should do it just for that reason just to to challenge my own way of thinking and so that was really the motivation behind me going keto because I originally thought well, this is not something I would would want to be have to stick to because it's pretty restrictive. So when you look at when we were comparing the last one to paleo, that I think there's a little bit more flexibility. Keto is way more restrictive. Yeah, keto is very restrictive. Yeah, you're avoiding all carbohydrates. Yes. So I was really uh, was not excited to try it, but then Carbs I thought- Carbs are your cheese. I wanted to cha challenge yeah. myself, and it was really un unique because I was coming off of competing where I was eating 400 to 600 grams of carbohydrates. So it was a major switch and transition. And the number one thing that I noticed- that I, and I'm glad that I did it so I could speak to it to clients and other people that go through this was, boy, did I uh, completely eliminate the cravings that I used to have. Um, being somebody who had trained their body to be able to eat four to 600 grams of carbs every single day, my body wanted that mm -hmm. every single day. And so, man, if it come noon or one and I'd only had 50 grams of carbs, man, I was starving. I wanted, I needed to eat. I felt like I'm like, I got to get fuel in me. I got to get fuel in me. I felt like that all the time um, during my competitive days. When I switched over to keto, what I found really early is, man, I'd have a breakfast of whole eggs and some bacon maybe even a little bit of cheese on there and avocado. Oh, You're done. Man, I didn't. I wasn't hungry till four in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And that's what I noticed. That, and I thought, whoa, okay, okay, now this, I could see why this is so beneficial is somebody who who struggles with uh, you know cravings and they, and they have a hard time with snacking and wanting chips and things like that. You follow a diet like this and what you see, what you see ends up happening when you switch over to ketosis and you eliminate all the carbohydrates, 
what comes with that also comes with a lot of the cravings that you probably have from eating all those carbs. And after you've been keto for a while, those start to suppress. It kills them. I, it's yeah. easy for me to stay lean when I'm eating keto. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not hard. It's hard to bulk. Very hard. It's hard to gain muscle and strength. My performance declines, but it's easy to stay lean. But that doesn't mean it's a good diet to work on a relationship with your cravings. Because let me tell you what happens when you come out of keto. You, it's like a boomerang. You come out of keto, you start eating some carbohydrates, and they kick into high gear, and your appetite goes through the roof. So I don't think, you know, oh, I have all these cravings. I'm going to go keto so I can solve this problem. It's a food relationship issue that you need to, you know, really work with because you come out of keto. I've seen people come out of keto and rebound, rebound really, really hard. You could. It, it, it did the opposite for me, though. Well, but you're, it, you're so much more self-aware. Though. Right. Well, what it made me aware of was, wow, my carb addiction. Yeah. I, I realized, like... You know, and my justification of that, and I remember saying this on the show, like, why would I ever want to go keto? I Right now, I could keep myself at 7% body fat. I can have almost anything in my diet. I could have a bag of chips one day, and it won't hurt me. I could have a bunch of pizza one day, and it won't hurt me because I built my caloric into maintenance so high, and I had a ton of carbohydrates. My body would burn right through that. So my attitude was like, why would I do that? It, the way I eat right now allows all this flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I challenged myself. When I did, I realized, whoa, like how addicted I was to all those carbohydrates. So now after I came out of keto, I've never gone back to somebody who eats more than maybe 250, maybe a high oh, days, yeah. 300 grams of carbs. It like, changed your relationship to carbs. Totally. For sure. Yeah. It's, 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 but it is a restrictive diet and you end up eating the same foods. I ended up eating a lot yes, of bacon. That's what I did not like. A lot like. of butter, yeah, a lot yeah. of coconut oil. A yeah, lot of avocado. avocado. Like, yeah. there wasn't too many, That's you know, it. it makes you a social pariah. It really does. Like, you're going out with your friends or you want to go hang out. Yeah. You're eating keto. You are very limited as to what you can do and what you can't, you know, what you can't do. I don't see it as a long term approach. For some people, here's a pro for some people, it controls the bad gut issues, like, especially SIBO. Now, it's not a cure. You can't starve the small bacteria overgrowth in your small intestine. So uh, you, you can't you can't starve it out. A lot of people think, oh, if I eat keto long enough or fast, it'll kill it. No, you control the symptoms. Um, you might not feed those bacteria so much. So when you eat keto, you're not getting horrible, you know, uh, diet, especially for the, uh, you know, the, the type of SIBO that causes diarrhea. It could help in, in gas and bloating. It can help a lot of people. So it can be a diet that helps with those things. I can be one of those people. If my gut is really off, Eating keto tends to help with the symptoms and help me get control over some of my issues, and then I go back to eating carbohydrates. But for performance, for social life long term, I would give it a, a negative. For appetite suppressant, uh, I would say it's probably that's probably what, oh mental clarity. How about that one? Oh yeah, I notice big time mental Super clarity. Super sharp. Yeah, when yeah. I eat, when I'm eating keto, I just feel very. I have like this almost low level energy buzz that's just straight all day long. When I eat a lot of carbohydrates, I notice the ups and downs yeah. uh, for meeting those. All right. So uh, there's a, re- there's a, this one's, the next one's a relatively new one yeah. onto the scene. I'd never really heard anybody talk about a carnivore diet up until relatively recently. The last- Like two years, maybe? Maybe two or three years. Yeah. And, and I really, can't, you can't really pinpoint it to like one individual. I know there was like forums- uh, talking about this and ways the strategies they're applying to 
um, do sort of an elimination style diet um, that would, they were getting a lot of success because of, you know, these autoimmune issues people were suffering from. And so this was an answer for them and then became like this big movement. And then uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Baker was one of the ones yep. who went on Joe Rogan. I was going to say, I would think Joe, talking about it. Joe Rogan is responsible for yeah. this. I yeah. mean, because even if it wasn't him who was promoting the diet, he was the platform that gave uh, Dr. Baker and Michaela Peterson mm-hmm. a platform to speak to millions of people mm-hmm. about the benefits of this. And, you know, something that was never even talked about for sure in my training career. I never had a client ask me about what would have happened if I just ate ribeyes every day, Adam. Yeah. Like, I've never even thought of it. Yeah. yeah I no, was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. No, never. it's it's actually a diet that at some point, uh, I'm sure most civilizations, most peoples, you know, especially when we're talking about thousands of years ago, ate carnivore at some point. Same reason why I said this for keto. At some point, I'm sure there were months when no, we couldn't I, find vegetables 100%, or fruit. hundred percent. Well, it makes me, I can't help but think about that show alone that I, I brought up right. the other day on the show. Like, you know, most most people back then, they were in a, a hunger state 90% of the time and a fed state 10% of yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. And so when you killed something, you got a deer out of no, like, oh, fin- a massive celebration. Yeah, you there. finally got one. And yeah. there's your food for the week. Yeah, it's your food for a week. Not only, like, you only, you get rations of that, and that's all you're eating possibly yeah. for an entire week. So there's definitely, I think, times. Uh, where we spent probably eating just like, which yeah. is why, similar to like the keto yeah. thing, why we probably see uh, uh, these health benefits. Our bodies probably evolved for t- bouts and times of well, this. Well, one of the arguments too that I thought was interesting was is the fact that a lot of plants do have these allergens and have these these things that people don't agree with. Whereas you know, with animal meat, it's like they've processed all this, and then uh, when you when you eat the meat itself, it, it tends to have a lot less allergens. Now, here's here's why this that's a bullshit argument. It reminds me of a lot of the arguments people make with diets, where they're they're taking some science and they're twisting it to fit their their narrative. Here's why that's bullshit. Okay. Yes, plants have um, you know, defense mechanisms to prevent themselves from being e- being eaten by insects and whatnot. But humans are smart and we figure out that uh, if we want to get around the defense mechanisms of a potato, we boil it in hot water for a long time and we cook it. Okay. Right. Now meat does meat come with a defense mechanism? Yeah, you better fucking believe it. Walk up to a Teeth. buffalo and yeah. try to eat it. Yeah. It's horns. defense mechanism is called horns, yeah. fucking hooves, yeah. teeth. I like that. That's yes, good. it's the good same counter. fucking thing. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to con- they're trying to compare meat that's been killed right. to plants that are still alive. No, we we process everything that we eat. I, the last, I, don't, I don't know any humans that jump on an animal and just start eating it while the animal's running <laughs> around. That doesn't it doesn't oh, work. Brilliant. Yeah, I love it. it's right. a it's a that's a terrible argument. No, oh, okay. no, but but here's the thing. Historically speaking, we don't know of any civilization that lived entirely purely on meat. There are civilizations like the Inuits, uh, the nomads of Mongolia, for example, that did eat a lot of meat, primarily meat, but even they had pl- some plants, some fermented berries. They ate. Whenever they could find it, they would eat it and put add it into their diet. They were not restrictive. Here's the thing that people need to understand. Ancient humans weren't restrictive. Do you know what they restricted? If something killed you, then I wouldn't eat it. Otherwise, if it was edible, hey, look it's what we have. It's fair game. Yeah, we got food. Yeah. Fucking eat it. You know, they wouldn't... They wouldn't Opportunistic. They, exactly. So, so that argument kind of falls on its face. Now, the pros are this. Uh, it's the ultimate uh, elimination diet. Of all the foods you can have intolerances to... The food that tends to have the least intolerances is 
are meats. Now, that doesn't mean that it's free of intolerances. I personally know people who have red meat allergies or chicken intolerances, so they can't exist. Mm. But when you look at all the intolerances, gluten, you know, dairy, uh, legumes, you know, FODMAP, high FODMAP, whatever, meat is super, super low. Most people can eat meat. So if you're somebody that's very reactive with your nutrition, you have autoimmune issues, you eat a food like Michaela Peterson, you know, she would eat something and have a terrible autoimmune reaction that would cause anxiety and depression. It was like the systemic, you know, kind of reaction. Her dad, Jordan Peterson, talks about having swollen gums and floaters in his vision and had terrible fatigue and depression. So those are all, those all could potentially be a side effect of inflammation from an autoimmune issue. The ultimate elimination diet is Take all of it out and just eat meat. Yeah. And it's you can get simplistic. It's one thing now yes. that you can focus on and give your body a chance to and, digest. And to give their credit, meat is the most, uh, if you had to pick one food, nutrient dense. It's the most nutrient dense yeah. uh, uh, dense food that you can this find. This is where eating organ meat. This yeah. is where I see the most value in it, actually. The only real value, in my opinion, because it's to me, it's not a very sustainable diet. God, no. Gosh, no. You know, I just, <laughs> it's just not a realistic long term. But I, I mean, I've got a client right now that is a friend that I'm talking to and I'm trying to help her through, and she's. Being, she's been diagnosed ten different things, the IBS and the something going on with leaky gut. Like, doesn't know what it is. Everyone's telling her different things, and you know she seems to watch certain foods, and it seems like that flares it up. Then it doesn't. So she's having a real hard time pinpointing what is bothering her. And so this is an example of someone I'd say, hey, you know, if this is something you and she, it's really it's causing like major issues to the point where it's causing her to get depressed and and frustrated and to break her breaking down into tears over it. It's so bad. So someone who's like that desperate, like uh, to get to the root cause of what is bothering me. Here's a good example of someone like I would say, listen, you know, I know it's gonna suck and it's not gonna be fun to do this, but you know, eating just straight meat for the next. 30 to 60 days and, and then slowly reintroduce. And then slowly introduce one or two things at a time and then let's pay attention and then we could really get to the bottom of what are the things that are really starting to... And that's the way I think this kind of an extreme... This is the most extreme diet that I can think of um, that, that's out there is this... You know, although although I'll make an argument that it's it's as extreme as the, as another diet we're going to talk about a little yeah, later. I would make that argument yeah. all day because now now meat is extremely nutrient dense. If only if you only ever eat meat, will you ever have nutrient deficiencies? Maybe mm. um, it's actually less likely than if you went uh, pure vegan. So it's from that perspective, okay, it's fine, but it's extremely restrictive. You have no fiber in your diet. There's no. tons and tons Vitamin and tons. Vitamin C is definitely some, a concern. There's tons and tons of studies that show the benefits of fibers and prebiotic fibers that you consume that feed the beneficial bacteria in your gut. Um, so there's lots of studies that show that fiber is probably something that humans need to have in their diet, although carnivore diet you know, advocates will... We'll debate me on that. It's not great for athletic performance. Yes, there are people that can perform well on any diet. That's not evidence. That's anecdote. Right. I, I had a trainer that worked for me that only ate McDonald's and, and Pop-Tarts back in the day, and this guy could bench press and deadlift more than anybody I knew. That doesn't mean a McDonald's and Pop-Tart yeah. diet would work great either. That's the other thing, too. Just because you can do it doesn't mean it's great and right. it's awesome for you. Can humans survive eating just meat? Yes. Is it ideal? I 100% say no. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a great diet for people. Yeah, short term, maybe. I mean, yeah. I, I did it for a bit and was uh, definitely noticed the fact I could not consume enough calories. That was just a really tough thing to do to just 
focus on meat because of the satiation, like we talked about with keto. Um, it had the same effect where you just, I mean, you weren't motivated to eat. You really had to, fatigue. I would yeah, think. it was like a chore to eat all the time. And then, I mean, you could get through like the first week. It was like, okay, I can make this work. But then it was after that, it was just like, I mean, life is way more interesting than that. Yeah. Like, this is not going to work out. How was your How was your athletic performance when you were just eating? Yeah, dog shit. Yeah. Like, I, my, my lifts were terrible. Uh, I just, I, I knew right away. I was like, okay, this is something that I am doing just very temporarily. I noticed that even on keto, Yep. you know, I noticed even that was the one, that was one of the drawbacks of keto. Now, again, to your point, Sal, some people have shown great performance on it. No problem. But for me personally, uh, I, my body wants more carbohydrates with the way I train and the, the with my body type. Like Most I, I people. Can, and, and by the way, we're talking about every like normal, everyday, healthy people. Let's say you're one of those people that's hyper reactive to food, that food causes autoimmune issues with you. Plants cause autoimmune issues. You get that, this inflammatory effect. You get depressed. You feel terrible. Your performance may improve with carnivore. Do you see what I'm saying? So like Michaela Peterson, I guarantee you, yeah, is stronger, her, right. faster, more endurance, and just healthier on carnivore. But that's not because carnivore is a superior diet. It's because she's so reactive to everything else that this option's better for her. So same thing with keto. If you're somebody that's hyper-reactive to carbohydrates, let's say you have really bad SIBO symptoms, so you eat keto, your performance will be better on keto. But the average person, if we did a wide-ranging study and tested 1,000 people, the vast majority of people would benefit and have better performance from eating carbohydrates and not from going carnivore. Most people have terrible performance, like, like Justin suffered from when he did the carnivore diet. Okay, so last diet. This one has been around on and off here and there, and it recently seems like it's had a surge in at least chatter I've seen in social media. I don't know if it's popularity or what, but it, I feel like more people- It's the one celebrities it. are always touting. Yeah, veganism. Veganism. Now, veganism was, you know, it was philosophized uh, by Pythagoras, I think was some of the first earliest, uh, you know, uh, writings on avoiding eating animals for the moral implications. He did no observations on eating vegan. Um, I could tell you this much. There probably was no ancient human civilization that was vegan. There probably was no hunter-gatherers that were entirely vegan. Mm. I'm sure they went through pe periods of veganism. Like, again, if you're a hunter-gatherer well, and you you know encounter a field of edible plants, yeah. you're you're, you're going to sit there and eat the plants rather than because even animal. immediately you think of like India and like some of the culture there where it was vegetarianism though it wasn't veganism. So they actually had dairy, they had eggs. Right. So it wasn't like completely devoid of well, the, that type of protein. It takes me back again to this this alone show that I'm watching. I'm enjoying so much is this island they actually put all these contestants on different parts and some parts of it flourish with like fish and and animals like rabbits and stuff of like that and then other parts have none of that and then you've got these contestants that are having to live off of berries and boil moss and they're like they're doing eating tree bark and they're like doing things that they don't have that option because it's not that on that part where they're at so i'm sure there's definitely examples no. of times where People had nothing but yeah. these types of foods. No, vegetables, to. we actually had to breed vegetables to make them more and more energy dense. Like if you look at corn, corn, for example, is one of the most uh, energy dense uh, vegetables that's out there. It's like an energy bomb. It's a starchy energy bomb, right? The original corn was like one skinny like stalk maize. with like four little kernels on it or whatever. We've turned it into this carbohydrate stick and that's through lots of breeding. 
for sure humans same thing goes for fruit like yeah, that too fruit, yeah fruit, oh yeah fruit used to be mostly a seed with a little bit of, of meat or whatever yeah uh we've 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 bred them to be you know much more energy dense and even then they're not as nutrient dense and energy dense as animals now in modern times you can be vegan because in modern times you can go to the grocery store and have a wide variety of vegetable or non-animal uh you know food products a wide variety i can have fruits and vegetables from all over the world. I can combine things, make sure I get the nutrients I'm not I'm not missing. I can get the proteins that I want. But in nature, veganism probably wouldn't exist for very long. You probably not survive. You'd probably die from nutrient deficiencies. So what are your thoughts on it as far as the pros of it today? Well, the pros today are this. If you if you value some animals, and I say some animals because some people will make the argument that insects and all that stuff should count, but if you value some animals very, very highly and you believe that they should be treated uh, at the levels of like how we treat each other, how we treat humans, like don't kill them, don't exploit them for their fur or their milk, don't you know contain them in cages and all that stuff, then there, that's, that's a lot of pros for somebody. You know, If you really believe that in your core and you have that moral compass – then veganism is the only way. I mean, if I considered animals like humans, I would be a vegan as well because you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to eat them. It's interesting going down that rabbit hole though because if you uh, you know to that point you made like if a life is a life and if you at what point is the the animal now a uh, like what about a rabbit? Like where yeah. does a rabbit fall in there? And if you were if you were tilling up a field where there's rabbit holes and you kill a rabbit to make all this all this corn fields. Well, vegans like, will consider all what we call animals uh, part of the protected and bees. Many of them will consider bees as well for their honey. But then they kind of draw the line there. I don't know of any vegans that are like anti-killing insects. I'm sure they're out there, but there's not a whole lot of them. I mean, look, at the end of the day, if we try to rationalize it, uh, it it's hard for it to make sense. I, I, I mean... I guess the I guess here's here's the argument. Uh, there's a hierarchy of animals. Um, we need to acknowledge this. Like right. dogs, she's listed out. Yeah, like dogs are higher on the list than like rats. They just are. Now, some you know animal you know people who are pro animals will say no, they're all equal. But I, and then then it's impossible. How the hell can you? No. What about insects? What about plants? No, they're they're alive not too. all equal. It's yeah, there's a hierarchy, and I get that. So that might kind of make sense. But for me, it's like at the end of the day, the top of the hierarchy is you. You're the animal you should take care of first. You should it's be kind to yourself first. circle of life. <laughs> Did you guys forget? <laughs> huh? We all have to survive. That's right. Um, but anyway, if you do believe animals, you believe that you have that moral imperative or whatever, then those are pros, right? That's the biggest pro right there. Um, as far as health is concerned, there's uh, no compelling evidence to show that eating a vegan diet is healthier than eating a good, healthy, omnivore diet. In fact, the evidence is the contrary a healthy omnivore diet is going to give you more of the nutrients that you need, mm. more of the essential nutrients is probably going to give you, uh, provide a better diet. And is it good to lower your protein intake, you know, occasionally? And I think that's something that, uh, you know, we we definitely would advocate, you know, so there's a good time to kind of step away from certain uh, macronutrients. I yeah. also think that a, a pro is this. And what I noticed when I had, I've, I've never ran a true vegan diet for a long period of time, although I've had vegan days. And one of the things that I noticed, and uh, I remember when we had um, Dr. Terry Walls on the show, 
and she was talking about the amount of vegetables that we mm-hmm. should be consuming today. Uh, and yeah. I had already considered myself somebody who eats vegetables. I eat vegetables, and most meals have vegetables in them. But when she was talking about the health benefits behind and the amount that we would be wanting to consume to get the maximum health benefits from all these vegetables, I was like, holy shit, I'm nowhere close to that. I'm not mm-hmm. even scratching the surface. So one of the pros that I think about, and, and this is something that I always would have to try and convey to my clients that drank the Kool-Aid, the vegan Kool-Aid, and was you know told that it's a superior diet, and then they tried it, and it was superior for them. It was really hard for me to try and get them to understand what it was, and, and the best way that I could explain it to a lot of people is two things. One, a lot of times what ends up happening when they when they transition from whatever the hell they're eating to vegan, it's a lot of, one, the foods that they eliminated, that they were having that probably were inflammatory or didn't agree with them very well or weren't serving their body very well that they've now eliminated. And it's the uptake and the uptick of more vegetables that most all people probably could use more of that most, even someone like a fitness professional like myself who tries to target that still don't get enough. And when you're limited to mostly vegetables and you don't, and you can't have meat products, you tend to kick up. And I'm talking, when I'm on a vegan day, I'm eating 4x the amount of vegetables that I normally totally. would because you want to fill up on something and you can have pretty much as much of that as you want on a vegan diet. Mm-hmm. And because you're not, it's one of the best ways for you to well, do it. Well, and here's the other thing that we need to consider is that any well planned diet, I don't want to say any, but most well planned diets are better than the typical American diet. So you get somebody who's just been eating the typical American diet and they're like, I'm going to become a vegan. But now what are they actually doing? They're actually paying attention to what I'm eating. I'm focused. This is my, I'm not going to eat out or whatever. And it, just it's just a healthier diet than what they were doing before, but it's not because necessarily it's vegan. Now, of course, you can eat a very high processed food vegan diet. And I've seen a lot of people mm. do this. I would have clients that would come to me who were obese, yeah. who were also vegan, and their vegan diet consisted of a lot of French fries and potato chips and sugar other types of yeah, and, sugar yeah. and that kind of stuff. Just because, you know, like get gummy, you know, they would get like vegan gummy bears, which actually exist, mm. uh, and stuff like that. Like, oh, I don't eat animal product, therefore I'm healthy. Mm. No, it doesn't work but that eat way. Gummy animals. Yeah. Now, here's a deal. Like, who should do these diets and who should they avoid who should avoid them? Um, I'll make a general statement for all of them, but I think we can go through each one. Generally speaking, if you have a specific reason that this diet may benefit you, like if there's a particular application of this diet and it's for your individual body, then that diet may work for you. So what does that mean? Here's an easy one. You have epilepsy that's controlled by a ketogenic diet. Then the ketogenic diet is probably a valuable diet for you. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have a hyperreactive body to most plant foods. You've just got all these autoimmune issues. You can't figure out what's going on. Well, then a carnivore elimination diet might work really great for you. Uh, let's say you're, uh, you just, it just it kills you to think about the way animals are treated in factory farms. And you hate to think that you're eating dead flesh from animals because you have this empathy towards them. Well, then a vegan diet is probably going to present a tremendous amount of value to you. Um, and then as far as a paleo diet is concerned, I would consider that one more in, in comparison to all the other ones we covered today, kind of that well-balanced type of a diet in the sense that it allows more foods into it, but it's also kind of restrictive. Um, here's the, the final thing I'll say on all this is that at the end of the day, and this is based off of my experience training everyday people for 20 
plus years, and 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 if you guys you guys can agree with me as well, and I'm pretty sure you will, and that's this, that uh, the we can make general statements about nutrition, but it a lot of it breaks down when you come down to the individual. A lot of it breaks down to the individual. Well, the reality yeah. of this, and going back to the the evolutionary argument, is that at one point. A normal human that was roaming this earth probably was in one of these diets at one point in their year. Sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If, Absolutely. If you looked at a year, there was probably a week they were vegan. There was mm-hmm. probably a week they were carnivore. There was probably a week they were paleo. There's So in reality, we probably evolved to eat yeah. like all of them. And the thing that I try and teach my clients, and, I, so, and this was something that I was known for in at least my circle of fitness people, is I was one of the few guys that I think that didn't ever attach to a diet, uh, and I was always encouraging clients to actually go through all of them. And what I challenged them to do is to understand them, like we've done today, going over the pros and cons and exactly what's happening in that diet, and then learn to try and connect that with why that's benefiting you, and don't do what people do with like what I hate with fitness modalities, the same thing, is you try something, you get great results from it, because why? You were sitting on the couch eating Doritos, now you're in a fucking CrossFit gym, no shit, it changed your body unbelievably, because you weren't doing anything else. It wasn't CrossFit exactly, it was that you're moving, you're You're making better choices right now. The same thing goes for a diet. If you're eating shit, you're all over the map, and now you're following this diet, whether it be vegan, carnivore, paleo, and it changes and it does wonders for you. Mm -hmm. Don't just accept it at that and say, oh, the paleo diet does this for me, or oh, the ketogenic diet does it for me, and stick to it. Try and unpack what is what is so different about the way you're eating right now. What are you eliminating and what are you adding to Definitely the diet? Definitely what are you adding in? Yeah. yeah what do you- well, that's it now. It's like it used to be like whatever was available. Like it's opportunity. I have to find food. And now it's, it's in excess. And so now we do have to consider all these different strategies. We do have to consider some kind of restrictive barrier you're going to, you're going to create for yourself that makes the most mm. sense. So that way, you know, you have a, a mindful uh, approach to, to what's going to work best and keep you in, in lean, healthy condition. Look, at the end of the day, the reason why people like diets is because diets give us parameters. And the more basic a diet is, or the, the, the clearer the parameters are, the more people tend to get drawn to it. So avoid carbs, only eat meat, you know, just don't eat foods that existed after the agricultural revolution. It's easy to follow because of these parameters. So I'm going to give you a parameter right now that I think is more effective than any other parameter you're going to find in any of these other diets. And we can name it something. We can call it the processed-free diet if you want. But here's the deal. Here's what we found. You can get away with a lot if you're not eating too much, okay? So what they find, we know studies show that sugar can be really bad for you in the context of having a lot of calories. Sugar in the context of eating little calories doesn't seem to be that bad for you. Saturated fat in the context of a lot, a lot of calories, uh, might actually be inflammatory in the context of low-calorie diet, seems to be perfectly healthy. So what we need to battle, what the modern problem that we need to battle is what? It's overeating. Now, we know this for a long time. We've been talking about this. Don't eat too many calories. But it's not that easy. How about we just avoid foods that make us want to overeat? In fact, this is the mm. single most effective thing I've ever done for clients in terms of, by the way, it's not the, this isn't the solution. This isn't the, the cure. But if there's one piece of advice that I could give someone where I'll see big results in a big way. It's a major rock. It's just, hey, avoid heavily processed foods because they make you want to eat more. Oh, and by the way, we now have studies to support this. When they, show, when they have people uh, eat all the food that they want and they have a, a diet that's comprised of high processed foods and a diet that's comprised of no processed foods, there's a five to 800 calorie difference. 
that's a massive difference. That's pounds and pounds of body fat every single month that you'd be gaining or losing. So if you're somebody that needs parameters, here's what I suggest. Have fun, play around in all these different diets, see how your body feels, how your body, how things work with you. I like to do that myself, but try to stick to this one rule right here. Avoid heavily processed foods because any of these diets with heavily processed foods within them, they're going to encourage overeating, and that seems to be the biggest problem in modern times. I agree. And with that, go to mindpumpfree.com, download our guides. They cost absolutely nothing. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find me at mindpumpsal. Adam at Mind Pump Adam, and Justin at Mind Pump Justin. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.